Did you know that when it comes to new vehicles, less than 3% of those new vehicles are offered in manual transmission? The stick shift, it is dying. Its doom is nigh. So we spoke to an automotive expert and journalist, Michael Clark, about the slow, painful death of standard transmission. And we use that as a springboard for another conversation about dying and lost arts. Also, we learned today about the second annual Donation Match Day, St. James Burger and Ship Company versus Willie Dogs in support of Bruce Oak Recovery Center. But you're not going to believe what happened to Ravi from St. James Burger and Ship Co. this morning at his other restaurant, Four Crowns. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, back together, sort of. She joined us at the end of the show. She's filling in on Connecting Winnipeg today. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Monday August 15th podcast for the start. It's uh, McGarry here, back from vacation. So, um, anything big happen around here while I was gone? Here on the radio station? Yeah. Like, with regards to who might be sitting where at what time and hosting shows and stuff? Uh, yeah, kind of. No, nothing at all? No? No. 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 Okay. Loren uh, is obviously here with us today because she's not working from 10 till 2, hosting uh, Connecting Winnipeg. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah big news. We know what the news was last week, but yeah, that was a bit of a shocker uh, for me to learn while I was away. So yes, Loren's going to be in on Connecting Winnipeg uh, for the next couple of days, I think. And then KK is going to be in here and there. And uh, KK's in for Jim Toth, by the way. He's going to join us at 8.35. But yes, hello there, Greg Mackling. It's good to see your face again. For, well, we saw you Friday, but uh, I haven't seen you at work since July 21st, I think. Yeah, over three weeks, I guess, yeah. if I'm doing the math correctly. It's great to see you as well. It's great to see you on Friday. This is, of course, in a different capacity and uh, bleary-eyed uh, in, a, in a different fashion. <laughs> well, for me, at least. <laughs> And uh, so here we are as we're uh, kicking off a Monday. And I was just thinking about this. I, I'm imagining that we have to do the show live from Southwood because you're participating in the Manitoba Open. You're going to get <laughs> off the air and then get, head right out onto the course and, and see if you can make your way uh, to the championship podium. Is that what's happening? That's exactly what it is, yeah. I've secretly been uh, working my way into the PGA Tour Canada. You know what? That's going to be super fun to be there, but it's also going to be one of the most difficult assignments, I think, in the sense that we're at a beautiful golf course. Yes. And we can't play. Well, I'm putting my clubs in the trunk. <laughs> Just in case. Just in case. <laughs> yeah, I used to, because I've been to a couple of, I remember the first time I visited Pine Ridge, it was for a wedding, and I, I've I've only played I've played it a couple of times since. But all I could think during that wedding was, man, I wish it was outside golfing. I don't want to be in here for this dumb wedding. So <laughs> that's outstanding. I've been to uh, in the past weddings at the old Winnipeg Stadium where they had the blue and gold room, and so that was always fun to be at weddings with the with the football field right outside the window. But uh, yeah, I can imagine that would have been difficult for you to be at Pine Ridge and then looking at the golf course and wondering what could be, what might be, because that is really, truly one of the terrific golf courses in our province. Yeah, and I vis should have just mentioned quickly here that last week I visited two of our finest 
golf courses in southern Manitoba. We started the Laker, the 24th annual Laker Classic last Saturday at uh, Shiloh, which is a really super fun golf course and the fastest putting greens I think I've ever played. Oh, yeah? And I, I shouldn't be surprised. It's on a military base, so one <laughs> should expect military precision from its golf course. Uh, so they, they wonderful hospitality from them at Shiloh. And then we carried on uh, further west to the Verdon Oak Lake area to play. At, we stayed at Oak Island Resort, and we played... So we played six rounds of golf in four days, and I spent the next three days <laughs> healing because my aging body, uh, I could barely stand up by the end of it. My knee was sore, my hips were sore, my back was sore. <laughs> I'm, old, I'm getting old, man. So that course at Oak Lake, what's the name of it again? Oak Island. So Oak Island, you, I think you said when we were talking on Friday that it's one of the hidden jewels of uh, Manitoba golf. Mm-hmm. And then Shiloh, if correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that the course that quite often is one of the first in the province to open? Yeah, they're, they're, they, we spoke to them at the beginning of this season because I'm pretty sure they were the first ones out of the gate uh, because I think, he, I can't remember the, if, there are, if it's like sort of on top of a quarry or whatnot, but they have uh, great drainage there. So while some courses were still waterlogged, uh, they were able to just dry out much faster. So Shiloh was great. Oak Island was great. It's a lovely, beautiful, challenging course. If you ever get a chance to play it, uh, it's uh, worth the trip out there. So thanks to all the hospitality uh, for those courses. And um, yeah, it was nice to have a week off, but good to be back. And I'm excited today because we're going to talk about something that um, I didn't realize how close we are potentially to the end of this, but the is the end nigh? For manual transmission? It is, and the statistics are depressing, in my opinion. I like to drive a stick shift, and and in Jackie's car, and in mine, actually, now that I think of it, you can switch into a mode uh, on my SUV. You can kind of do the paddle shifting, mm. like they do on the F1, and you can... You know, downshift and upshift and go in a sport mode, I think is what they call it. And then on her car, uh, which we drove to California through the mountains, I was very definitely using the gears as intended as I might if I was driving my MG, you know, downshifting and upshifting uh, when necessarily and to get the torque out of the engine, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, we're going to talk about the fact that uh, less than 3% of all vehicles made right now are made with... <sighs> A standard transmission and the fact that um, even Mercedes-Benz is phasing out making uh, vehicles with the stick all together in short order. So we'll talk to Michael Clark, one of the top automotive journalists in the country, about his love affair with the stick shift and and why this makes him so sad. Yeah, because I I don't know why I watch watch a lot of YouTube videos of reviewing cars and because uh, I guess just I was thinking in the last couple of years, maybe it's time to get a new car. So I've been looking at various reviews of different vehicles and they all, all of them just love, love, love manual transmission. And they all seem to hate the the newer version of automatic transmission, the CVT or whatever they call it. So uh, I'm curious to pick Michael's brain on this. So. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on vacation. That's not true. I was on vacation last week. She is in for connecting Winnipeg from 10 until 12. Sorry, I'm still shaking the cobwebs off, okay? 
You're allowed. <laughs> it happens. Totally happens. I did not want this morning was a shock to the system. Wow, did it hurt waking up today. But right now we want to talk about a, a, you could call this a dying art, Mr. Mackling. I would say so. So this comes from an article in the Atlantic last weekend. And I mentioned earlier, and I, I, I've uh, discussed the fact you, I was on a road trip for uh, just over two weeks. I love driving on the highway. I am addicted to driving uh, more than 55 miles an hour. That's all I, all I will say. So I've really got to watch it now that I'm back because the 80 mile an hour uh, speed limit in some parts of the United States is is tantalizing. It's wonderful. And when you're driving through the mountains, as I did, uh, it harkens back to the days of the stick shift and to the standard transmission. And in Jackie's vehicle, I was able to kind of put it in that mode and, and toggle the gears back and forth. And boy, oh boy, do I ever miss that? And uh, in 2000, more than 15% of new and used cars sold by the auto retailer CarMax came with stick shift. By 2020, that figure had dropped to 2.4%. This article goes on to say, there are rumors that Mercedes-Benz plans to retire manual transmissions entirely by the end of next year all around the world. In a decision driven partly by electrification, Volkswagen is said to be dropping its own automatic transmissions by 2030, and other brands are sure to follow. Stick shifts have long been a niche market in the U.S. Soon, they'll be extinct. So let's use this as a springboard to talk about other lost or dying arts. Text us at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win yourself a pair of tickets for Celebrations Dinner Theater's Ship's Creek, which runs now until September 4th. So let's go around the horn here. Cameron Poitras, why don't we start with you, sir? Uh, let's, let's, uh, churning butter. Um, <laughs> my grandma <laughs> used to get cream uh, from her family out at the Hutterite Colony and would get my mom and my uncles in the living room when they're watching TV or whatever to shake cream in a jar. And uh, they absolutely hated it. Uh, my mom, like, to this day, like, is, whenever it comes up, she talked about, I hated doing that. Um, but we did it one time. My mom, <laughs> you know, she just bought cream from the store, put it into a, a mason jar, and she, we basically had to shake it. And it, it took a long time, and it definitely your arm gets, like, really, really sore. Um, she just did it to show like, this is what I used to have to do all the time. And, uh, it was actually, you know, besides your arm getting, so it was really easy and you just had to shake it. But, uh, most people, of course, they don't do that anymore. Um, but man, I remember the butter being like really, really, really delicious. Um, I remember that, but yeah, churning butter. Uh, there, art. As soon as you said that, all I could think of was Weird Al's Amish Paradise. Hitching up the buggy, <laughs> churning lots of churning butter. Lots of butter. We raise the barn on Monday. Soon we'll soon raise I'll another. Raise another. <laughs> uh, Great Je video. Great video. <laughs> Tremendous. Jeff Braun, what about you? Uh, how about uh, handwriting? That seems like it's a loss or dying art. I, Hello. I can go, honest to goodness, months at a time, I think, without even ever having to pick up a pen. Uh, and when I do, it's usually just to sign my name on a form or something like that. So uh, it shouldn't be too long before most of the planet just doesn't know how to write anymore. But I mean, don't really have to, right? So 
computers help out there. So. Yeah, and then they, it's, it, I always feel embarrassed when someone says, okay, I just need your signature. And I think, what's the, what's the point? Like, you could just, you could just put, a, put a pen in a cat's mouth and then hold a piece of paper <laughs> up to the pen? Because it's terrible. I can't even read my, like, I'll take notes sometimes while I'm watching TV shows or movies at home. And sometimes I'm doing it, well, like, the lights are out, so I can't really see what I'm writing. But there are times where I'll look at my, at my notes and think, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here because I can't read my own garbage writing. So, Hey, Jackie, what am I trying to say here? Can you take a look at this? <laughs> no? No idea? Me neither. <laughs> Fortier, what about you? I think wearing a suit. Well, you don't see that much anymore. Back, uh, back 100 years ago, you'd walk down the street and everyone was wearing a suit. Nowadays, yeah. your workplace doesn't, uh, most workplaces don't even... Uh, have a uh, dress code anymore, so uh, I th- I'd like to bring that back. I look good in a suit. Okay, Forte, if you make if you somehow start uh, a movement to reinstitute, uh, a, a, we all have to wear suits to work. Then I will see to it that um, severe punishment comes your way. I don't want to have to wear a suit to work. Come on, I look good That's in like a suit. That's like the best part I, about I think you're, I think you're a little jealous. I, I look too good in a suit. I'm je- I, I look good in a suit too, Forte. It's not that's not the point. Who I, wants to put one on at three thirty in the morning? Nobody. You want to put on a suit at five a.m., Forte? Hey, I shower. I do my hair every day. Putting on a little suit wouldn't hurt. <laughs> Whatever. Clip on tie, or do you know how to tie that baby? <laughs> Double Windsor. I learned on YouTube. Very good. <laughs> I learned on YouTube. You learn everything on YouTube. <laughs> okay, so two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. You're lost or dying arts for a chance to win some tickets for celebrations, dinner, theaters, Ships Creek. And if you got a story about a stick shift as well, uh, feel free to let us know. I never learned how to drive a stick. You didn't? No. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I used to dream about it, though, like lots. So I guess I wanted to. So there's still time, of course, but at this point, it uh, doesn't seem to matter. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is in from 10 until 12 on Connecting Winnipeg. Before we introduce our next segment and next guest, we are talking today about the impending doom of the stick shift. And at 7.35, we're going to have a chat with an automotive journalist. And we're getting lots of feedback at 204-780-6868. Yeah, Jeff says this via email, Brett. Best anti-theft device ever. Mm. Jeff goes on to to say something more colorful, which alludes to the fact that those stealing vehicles are unable to drive a standard transmission. So, uh, yeah, that leads him to uh, make this declaration of a standard transmission being the best anti-theft device ever. I that, That's really a good point. That's a great point, Jeff. So continue to weigh in at 204-780-6868 on our question of the day at cjob.com for credit aid. Overwhelmed by debt, call 204-987-6890, creditaid.ca. The end seems to be nigh for the stick shift with under 3% of new vehicles offering it. Do you drive a vehicle with a stick shift? Never have? I don't, but I can. I only drive. Stick. Cast your vote. CJOB.com. And now we want to talk about, we need to revisit something that's been making so many headlines, unfortunate headlines of late. Hockey Canada remaining under the microscope, even as one of the premier hockey events of the year is underway in Alberta. Our next guest was in Edmonton on behalf of the New York Times, Brett. 
there to cover the beginning of the World Junior Hockey Tournament. The headline in the New York Times gets right to it. Sexual assault revelations turn Canada's national game into the nation's shame. Once a jewel of Hockey Canada's schedule, the World Junior Tournament is playing to a largely empty arena as turmoil forces Canadians to rethink what they believe about the sport. Ian Austin is the author of said article and joins us now. Good morning, Ian. Good morning. You've been sharing Canadian stories with readers of the New York Times for more than a decade. The empty seats at Rogers Place have been unmistakable. What were you hearing from those who were attending the games despite the situation, despite the controversy that uh, is surrounding uh, Hockey Canada? Well, I guess there's there's two broad themes. I mean, there are virtually no spectators if Canada's not playing. So, you know, this, this only applies to games that Canada is in. And and some of the people who have come, they're extremely disturbed about uh, the allegations and, and and what's been happening within the hockey system. But, but their view is that these players were not the players at the 2018 or the 2003 incident or incidents we don't know about. So, you know, they deserve to have a crowd out there cheering for them. Um, one woman I met, an Oilers season's ticket holder, she was only there because her cousin was over from England. He wanted to see a hockey game. She'd bought her tickets months ago. Um, she wasn't going to come otherwise. I don't think she's going to any other games. Um, so it's uh, even the people who are showing up there are, are on the whole pretty distressed about the state of things. And in the meantime, we also wanted to ask you, how unusual is it to see the rink boards void of the usual advertisers and corporate partners? Uh, it's everything. There's no ads anywhere in the arena. I mean, I, I, I suppose you can, there's ads for the, uh, the Ice Hockey Federation's app, but that doesn't really count. You know, it's extraordinary to go to any major international sporting event in 2022 and not see a single ad i mean the you know the corporate sponsors have spoken as as one voice um it's it's just extraordinary but i mean it's very interesting to me at least this is not the first major sexual abuse scandal we've seen in hockey james being graham james being the most prominent example but this one and and i mean i don't want to mix these up too much but um, I covered residential schools issue for many years now, and last year was the discovery at Kamloops was a turning point in that story. The disclosure that there was a slush fund that came out of registration fees, including children's registration fees, to hush up victims of sexual assault in hockey is, I think, what's really tilted the balance this time around. I think that's one turning point for sure. Uh, you mentioned Graham James. I know that you spoke to in this article, Greg Hilluli, uh Winnipegger, and someone that we have on our show on a regular basis, and this whole idea that here we are so many years removed from Graham James and Hockey Canada maybe not learning its lesson. But you write this, and this maybe ties it all together. Critics of hockey have long argued that the system for developing players in the country and the national idolization of young men have created a culture of entitlement and hero worship that has served as an incubator for bad behavior. That's an overall indictment of hockey culture, Ian. 
Well, and I mean, I, I mean, this this is coming from other people. It's not up to me to to judge hockey, but uh, I mean, you would know better than me. But when I'm in rural Manitoba, rural Ontario, rural Alberta, uh, it's extraordinary how these young men, teenagers, really are. Um, are put on pedestals in those communities. I mean, the, the whole sort of minor hockey system in this country, um, it's, you know, it, it, it's in some ways reminiscent of, of uh, and this is a slight exaggeration, but in some ways reminiscent of how the Soviets ran their sports programs, right? I mean, promising young people, uh, young athletes were taken away from their families, um, shipped across the country, and, uh their lives became their sport. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not much of a stretch to think that um, an environment where young men are told they can pretty much do whatever they want as long as they perform on the ice, where they have no friends, no real influences outside of their their hockey world, um, that you end up with a situation like this of, of entitlement, uh, abuse and bad decisions. Ian Austin, New York Times, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Ian, thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. And I'm all for stick shifts, by the way. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Well, Ian, thank you for that. And before we uh, check traffic and weather, I see that uh, Matt has a counterpoint to Jeff's previous point about the stick shift being the perfect anti-theft device. Yeah, one of my buddies was saying as well, uh, he has a a company that has these big five-ton trucks. He has to pay a premium for people that can drive them. Well, Matt says one of our five tons was stolen a month ago, standard, and even had an air parking brake, didn't stop them, had another one taken Saturday. Both are taken while guys are working. Matt says our city's in trouble. Wow. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is in from 10 until 12 on Connecting Winnipeg. We're asking you at 204-780-6868 about lost or dying arts, because in our next half hour, we're going to talk about the impending demise of the stick shift. And we're getting lots of great feedback on our text line, GMAC. Yeah, one of our listeners saying two out of my three daughters taught their boyfriends to drive stick. Nice. And my dad texted me, not at 780-6868, but on my phone. He says, uh, gleefully, uh, looks like my Corolla, which is a standard, by the way, will be worth more now that the standard transmission is disappearing. My dad, always worried about the uh, the moolah, Brett, uh, sentiment uh, that uh, Harry texted us as well. Harry says, I love the fact that the manual is going extinct. This will only drive up. The value of my 2001 Volvo C70 manual coupe high-pressure turbo, one of only 685 sold in America. I have one of only two that are in Canada. Wow. That's cool. Wow. Yeah, you'd think that for depending on the vehicle, I guess, if it's a standard, that would certainly increase its value because it's becoming more and more rare. Under three percent, which is bizarre because years ago you paid more for the automatic transmission. That's the right. Standard was cheaper. But right now we want to get further into the big topic we've been discussing this morning, GMAC, and that is the stick shift. Yeah, we're getting text messages on this as well. Jeff's theory that a standard transmission is an anti-theft device is taking a bit of a beating on the text line. First, Matt's 
text about his work vehicles disappearing despite the difficulty of the manual transmission of his drum, dump trucks, etc. Another listener adds, I only drive stick shift. However, standard transmission is not an anti-theft device as my vehicle was stolen right off my driveway last summer. Oh, wow. And Kat and Gimli says, I can drive a stick shift because when I learned to drive in England... Back at the dawn of time, most cars were manual transmission. If you passed your driving test in an automatic, you were licensed to drive only automatics. But if you passed your test driving a stick shift, you were legal to drive either. Came in handy when I was given an old uh, three-on-the-tree GMC truck. Don't even know what that means, three-on-the-tree? Mm-hmm. Forgive me. And uh, again, when my son, says Cat, bought me a tiny used Hyundai with a stick shift after my old Cavalier finally died. Driving stick is a skill you do not forget and is one that all drivers should learn. Car makers should not be discontinuing manual transmission cars and trucks. That's how I learned to drive standard was on an old GMC pickup. What is three, th- three on the tree. So instead of, you know, four on the floor, four f- speed or five speed transmission where the gear shift is on the floor. Uh-huh. Three on the tree is exactly what it sounds like. It's on the a steering column. Oh. So instead of just putting your transmission to drive, reverse, or park, neutral, etc., you're actually shifting gears up on the tree with that longer with that longer toggle on the on the steering column. Oh, neat. Well, hey, listen, the reason and thanks for all your feedback and continue to weigh in at 204-780-6868. But the reason, you know, we're talking about this this morning is we want to ask you, have you ever successfully driven a manual transmission? I admit, I have never done it. And increasingly, the opportunity to drive stick is disappearing at least on new cars. Yeah, so this is from an article published in The Atlantic last weekend, and the writer is Egan Bogost. Uh, Ian says, in 2000, more than 15% of new and used cars sold by the auto retailer CarMax came with stick shifts. By 2020, that figure had dropped to 2.4%. The article goes on to say, there are rumors that Mercedes-Benz plans to retire manuals entirely by the end of next year all around the world in a decision driven partly, partly by electrification. Volkswagen is said to be dropping its own by 2030 and other brands are sure to follow. Stick shifts have long been a niche market in the U.S. soon. They'll be extinct, and Brett, for many, that is sad news. So before our next guest was an award-winning crime fiction author, Michael Clark was an award-winning automobile journalist, and he still runs on premium uh, with anything car. Not sure if you know about the new book, by the way, The Truth You're Told, set at Bird Lake in the Nopaming. Our guest was also longtime co-host of The Road Trip here for years on 680 CJOB, here to discuss his love of the standard transmission. Michael Clark, Michael, good morning to you, sir. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. And Brett, when, when you want to learn how to drive a stick, just say when, okay? <laughs> okay. I, we, we can do a segment about it. We'll be tooling around on the parkade there at the Portage of Maine. It'll be good time. <laughs> okay, thanks for the offer, Michael. I appreciate it. Now, before we get into the why behind the disappearance of standard transmissions, what is it that you love about driving stick, Michael, because it seems, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like pretty much every automotive expert, every automotive reviewer, they all prefer manual transmission. Well, there's certainly a lot that you can do with a manual transmission in respect to getting the vehicle 
at that that perfect balance. Like, say, for example, one of the things that I did years ago is I actually attended the Bridgestone uh, Racing Academy out in Ontario, and I had an opportunity to drive what's called an F2000. Basically, it's a baby version of an F1 open-wheel car, and it is, of course, a manual transmission. Well, the whole idea when you come into a corner is to have the right balance, and what you want to do is you want to basically bring the revs up and shift and and keep the car at a perfect balance because you know some people will use a clutch to slow down Uh, not the best way to keep a clutch from wearing out but the way you do this and i don't want to make it too technical you you basically keep the car from losing its balance so it doesn't go more to the front or you know more to the rear say with braking so you completely power through that corner and uh you don't hit the grass (laughs) So uh, but what I like about it is the connection. It is the connection uh, between driver and vehicle. Uh, I still have a manual transmission in my fleet. It's a 1995 Nissan uh, pickup truck, and I have been driving that since fuel took off. I have been driving it uh, almost exclusively, and what I've actually been doing a lot of is going back to my pages of hypermiling. So, you know, you'll, if you see a little green truck at the top of Disraeli and wonder if he's in gear as he goes down into Elmwood, no, he's in neutral, and he's going to stay that way till Hesper. <laughs> well, I wish I would have had this conversation with you before my drives through the mountains. I, I may have uh, learned a few things. Uh, Michael, one of our listeners says this via text, stick shift is no longer more fuel efficient. Automatic tr- transmissions have come a long way. Would you agree with Paul on that? And maybe you can expand on the why behind the yes. disappearance of the of the standard transmission? Well, absolutely. Paul's on the money with that one because the issue is that, that of course, the, the dawn of the automatic transmissions, like hydromatics, Fordomatics, you know, back in, you know, going back to like 1940 is when uh, automatics actually first uh, appeared. But you have to remember is that the, the losses that occurred with an automatic transmission uh, automatically <laughs> made them uh, less efficient out of the gate. But as things progressed over the years, we went from two-speed to three to four. Now 10-speed automatic transmissions are becoming the norm, especially in some of the biggest fuel users being uh, trucks. So that is correct. We are at the point now where any gains that you could have made with a manual transmission are fast disappearing. And even with the uh, incarnation of uh, some new transmissions, for example, Ford's new Retro Bronco has a, the availability of a seven-speed manual transmission. It's really not so much about efficiency. It's more about, as off-roaders know, using it you know in specific off-road situations but uh, that that is correct and i think the reason that somebody like mercedes is saying you know what we're we're finally done with this is uh, the efficiencies and the fact that uh, like the the percentages of the amount of manual transmissions that are still being made it's very much a specialty thing will mercedes still have one in a specialty vehicle yeah sure maybe but Everyone's kind of gone to this whole idea of using paddles to shift, uh, which I've never been a huge fan of, but I actually saw a recent article from Toyota Lexus, and they are actually messing around with an idea for the next uh, Lexus LFA supercar where it will have a manual mimic type of setup. Now, (laughs) I'm trying to explain this. There will be a clutch pedal, but it won't be connected to anything mechanical. 
So you'll be able to actually shift and still play with a clutch pedal, and it'll probably have, as we see with technology and AI, it'll still have the feeling. It might have a friction point in it and everything else, but it's not doing anything. That's interesting. Yeah, and I, I, I'm just. It's. I get that you know we're moving towards electric vehicles and what and whatnot. But as companies continue to scale back on the manual transmission, like, are, do you do you foresee it just disappearing entirely? Like, like a, a, a high performance sports car, for example. I don't get it. Most people don't drive those anyway. But for those who do, I would imagine most of them would prefer to have a stick shift in that kind of car. Well, I think the other thing we're going to start dealing with is a a big generational change. I mean, the automotive enthusiast of today, you know, say somebody in their 30s is probably more interested in something that uh, has the paddle shifters, has the rev matching as you slow down, basically, you know, takes all the thinking out of it. I'm not trying to say that anybody who's an auto enthusiast would prefer to have an automatic transmission. I, I personally if I had nothing but manual transmissions, I'd be a, a pretty happy motorist. But I think what's going to happen just because of, of volumes, and also, like, think about where we're heading in respect to self-driving vehicles. So th- there's so many reasons for it to be gone, and it's going to become, in the next few years, I totally see it disappearing like the bench seat and the cassette deck. Oh, the bench seat, the good old bench seat. I, I hate the, the, the constriction of that center console. Michael Clark, thank you for this. And uh, next time we reach out to you, we will have to have a little bit of a conversation about your burgeoning uh, writing career on a, on another side with, with regard to the truth you're told set at Bird Lake in the Nopaming Provincial Park. Thanks for your time as always. Great to hear your voice. Keep the shiny side up and the rubber side down. a boy, Michael Clark, joining us live on 680 CJOB to talk stick shift. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is in from 10 until 12. By the way, we still have some severe thunderstorm warnings in effect now from Minnedosa all the way along the Saskatchewan border uh, down to the North Dakota border as well, places like Killarney, Pilot Mound, uh, Manitou, and then the, the severe thunderstorm watch still in effect for Dauphin, Russell, Roblin, and Winnipeg Osis. We are going to talk about bike lane construction in a moment, but a reminder that we are also asking you to weigh in on our conversation about the stick shift, which is dying. It's dying, and it might be its death maybe sooner than we think. And uh, we were just forget the question that we we're asking you was tell us about a lost art. What is a, another lost or dying art? But we're getting all kinds of feedback, Greg, on the stick shift. Stacy uses this as a jumping off point for, for some other things and some tremendous pictures on on some of uh, Stacy's hobbies and and collections here. Three in the tree is a sterling column gear shift. Pull the handle towards you. Uh, up is reverse. Down is first. Away and up is second. Down is third. So getting a little bit of a lesson there from Stacy saying they were awesome. Had one an old panel wagon with a three speed transmission and then goes on to say. Uh, that he believes fountain pens, um, you know, the Bic and Paper Mates, uh, Raven Feather Quill pens, etc. Uh, those are a dying art that he ties back to our maybe a lack of ability to write cursive. And he's, he's, the picture that he has sent us, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, at least nine fountain pen quills. Amazing. I wonder if he's got parchment as well. 
parchment, Stacy. Uh, let us know. And then he sent us pictures of what is a sitar, sitar musical instrument. I've been humbly requested to fix and restring this 1920s antique sitar. I hope I have the challenge in me. So Stacy, really bringing it old school this morning on the text line, 204-780-6868. That's fantastic, uh, Stacy. So continue to weigh in on Lost or Dying Arts at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a prize. We're going to give away a pair of tickets for Celebrations Dinner Theaters, Ships Creek at 9.15. And before Global News at 8 o'clock, producer Jeff Forte, we gave away a family four-pack of tickets and treats for Gulliver Returns at Landmark Cinemas. Who is our winner? Liz Lawman. Liz, congratulations. Enjoy the movie. It looks like a lot of fun. Now, right now we want to just revisit something that we brought to you, like this story was brought to you on Friday from our colleagues at Global News, but we just wanted to, to have a quick chat about it here. Cyclists in Osborne Village will no longer have to contend with traffic next summer, thanks to an approved plan that will see a full network of bike lanes installed throughout the neighborhood. Global's Merrick DeCash has those details. For the many Winnipeggers who bike through Osborne Village on a daily basis, constantly shoulder checking for vehicles will no longer be needed next summer. So it's an area where there's a lot of people without cars that we want to want to see people have that option to bike. Here because it's such high traffic and because like a lot of people have to commute through here on bicycle to work as well as vehicles, it's important that there's a bike lane so that you're not having to just dodge around vehicles. Early next summer, the city is expected to break ground on installing bike lanes on parts of River and Stradbrook Avenues between Harkness and Wellington. The preliminary design also includes a stretch of bike lane on Wellington between River and Stradbrook. I think it's a very great idea to have. Uh, it makes sense by only pushing it up to Donald because then you kind of get on that shared pathway on the way to the Forks and St. B and stuff like that. But not everybody is in agreement of the proposed changes. It's not fair because uh, if a bike comes out and cuts off the car, there's an accident. The changes would see these cars here brought a little bit further into the road so bikers would have their own lane on the other side of the cars in between the curb. It's really uncomfortable. Uh, you've got that traffic right next to you. There's nothing in between you and the vehicles. Uh, if someone opens a car door, it's opening up into, into you. Construction is scheduled to begin early next summer, with the city expected to meet with business owners affected by the changes before ground is broken. If you're coming downtown, every route sort of funnels you into this area. So fixing, getting this sort of section of Osborne Village to, into a, a connected network um, that's really safe for all ages and all abilities is a big game changer for the city. Merrick DeCash, Global News. And I also notice on this transportation plan that proposed fixed link, uh, basically a bridge, Brett, between McFadden Park on the north side of the Assiniboine River and Fort Rouge Park uh, just off River Avenue between River and the Assiniboine River is still on the books. It's only a proposal at this point. I hate to say this. Parking in Osborne Village is already a nightmare. Mm -hmm. I mean... I agree. This type of infrastructure is mandatory for more neighborhoods, but I can only imagine that once this lane gets implemented, the lack of parking and the parking that's going to disappear because, because of it is going to cause an absolute uproar uh, amongst certain people.
I know businesses have to be concerned about that and and the residents of the neighborhood likely concerned as well, uh, because even if they manage to do it in a way where there's no construction that's lost or no parking that's lost, pardon me, while the construction is underway, that's going to be a whole bunch of parking that's gone. Uh. And if, And a lot of people who live in that neighborhood, who drive vehicles, don't have anywhere to park their car but on the street. And it was always a nightmare for me in the winter because we had a parking spot, but my then girlfriend at the time had that spot. I parked on the street, so it was always an interesting challenge when the residential parking ban came into effect. I feel horrible even bringing it up, Yeah, but I know this is going to end up being part of the discussion. So we just wanted to put that on your radar and ask you to weigh in at 204-780-6868. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is in at 10 o'clock on Connecting Winnipeg. Reminder that we are asking you to tell us about a lost or dying art. Maybe it's one that you lament or wish that would make a comeback. Text us at 204-780-6868. Uh, what does Lorraine have for us? Uh, Lorraine says uh, dying art is, um, well, the city of Winnipeg and people who do not cut their lawns and boulevard in front of their home also weeding their properties to the city of Winnipeg. That is a basic surface. Maintaining the city. To the people, uh, get out and get some fresh air. Cut your lawns, weed your lawns, take care of your property. You will increase the property value by looking after it. And you will feel better taking pride in your investment. And the pictures that Lorraine sent along with her text message of her neighbor's lawn, Brett, have me salivating. Absolutely incredible. She has two or three pictures of unkept lawns. And then this one of her neighbors just, I'm like, whose lawn is this? I must know their secret. (laughs) Yeah, there are some boulevards in my neck of the woods. uh, I think of Coburn specifically, just shy, just uh, north of Cordon. The boulevards there, like you could get lost in the, (laughs) just walking through that tall, like it's almost a tall grass preserve. I, w- I wonder if uh, they're perhaps uh, looking at expanding the maize and corn into the city of Winnipeg. <laughs> that's just part of that's just part of the expansion. <laughs> Several at- locations <laughs> in the city of Winnipeg. It keeps getting bigger every year. Last chance to get in, 204-780-6868. Tell us about a lost or dying art for a chance to win celebrations, dinner, theaters, ships, creek tickets. We'll pick a winner at 915. <laughs> Mackling and McGarry McNabb is coming on for Connecting Winnipeg between 10 and 12. We're asking you about lost or dying arts for a chance to win tickets to see Celebrations, Dinner Theatres, Ships Creek. And we have been getting some really great stuff like Noreen. Well, you know, let's start with Deidre because there's pretty simple. Darning socks. Perfectly good socks except for that hole. Darn it. Damn it, says Deidre. <laughs> Very nice. Norin says, dying arts researching for a paper. Now, I'm not sure <laughs> how romantic this notion is, but I do remember this. Norin says, when I was in university, I had to look through the many uh, culmination, cumulation cards to find the multiple of books needed for the topic. Write down the many, many numbers of the Dewey Decimal System to find the books. Go through rows upon rows looking for the books and then 
wait for it, we had to read the book or chapter to find the information for our paper. Now all my kids have to do is sit at the computer, type in the topic, and bang, there it is. So on the computer screen, if they have to go to the library to find a book, all they do is sit down on the computer screen, type the book. Uh, they know exactly which row of books, even where the row the book is located in the library. Uh, Norin, I think, is jealous of technology <laughs> and the fact that her kids have it, and, and we didn't. But to be fair, I would suggest that the old school way uh, would would teach somebody patience as opposed to that instant like I want it now you know you there you get you got to take certain steps to to accomplish your goal I don't know and I I I, I liked flipping through those cards at the library it was fun so. I I didn't mind I just I'm envious of the kids <laughs> and how easy it is for them now and Val also has something I suppose as it pertains to academics. Val says, talk about a lost art. My husband teaches and works in a clinic at the University of Winnipeg where they have to keep charts to follow treatment and progress of patients. One day he was, quote unquote, writing on a patient's chart. And one of the students says, I wish I could do that. Do what? My husband answered, write like that. The student replied. My husband continued, you you cannot write? No, the student said. We were only taught to print. Yes, it seems students don't need to write anymore because they use their computers. They need to learn to type. Sad that this art of writing is being lost. And Val also says, you know, the CSI types. Yeah. How are we going to do handwriting analysis? <laughs> we'll never catch any more murderers. <laughs> Kaz is our winner. And Kaz says, my entire working life was in the photography field. In this digital age of Photoshopping, we have lost the art of developing your prints in a dark room. One of my fondest memories is spending hours in the red light glow, inserting the negative into the Bessler enlarger, cropping and dodging and burning your prized photos. But the best part is watching your image appear in the developer tray. No matter how many photos I've developed, I never get tired of that magical moment. Kaz, that's wonderful. And thanks to all for participating. But Kaz is our winner. You get the celebrations, dinner theaters, Ships Creek tickets. We'll be in touch to get more details from you. And listen, uh, for us, like we, I've been up since two, I think I woke up at two o'clock this morning. I woke up in a panic because I did not wake up to an alarm clock. I thought, did I sleep in? Did I forget to set my alarm on the first day back from vacation? No, I woke up half an hour before my alarm went off. Last week, I told Loren, you have no idea how close you were to being here alone. Because I woke up at 11 o'clock and started checking emails. I'd gone to bed very early, about 7.30 last Sunday. Yeah. And I hadn't turned on a single alarm. It's a good thing that I woke up. What time did you wake up? About 11 p.m. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my goodness. I don't have any alarms set. <laughs> so you woke up this morning before your, before your alarm. And is there anything worse than that? Yeah. No. No. Because you're like, ah. Oh. I'm not ready for this, but I don't know what's worse. Waking up before, like, before the alarm, as in no alarm sound, or waking up to the alarm. I don't know. But uh, the point is, I've been up for almost eight hours already. I'm hungry. 
And yes. so if you're getting hungry yes. and you're already thinking about lunch, mm-hmm. we have a suggestion for you that will fill your belly and your soul with deliciousness and you'll be helping out with a great cause while you do it. I was wondering where you were going with this. <laughs> it's the annual donation match day at St. James Burger and Chip Company versus Willie Dogs. One dollar from each burger and hot dog sold will go to the Bruce Oak Recovery Center. Ravi Rabran is the owner of St. James Burger Chip and the owner of Four Crowns on McPhillips. Ravi, good morning, my friend. How are you? Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. How are you? We're doing well. So this is the annual event. How long have you been doing this now? It feels like like a handful of years. You know what? This is only our second year actually being able to pull it off. Okay. Um, All right, then. Yeah. yeah. COVID kind of interrupted a few things. But yeah, no, really pumped to do this again. Yeah, because that's right. We, uh, did you do it first probably in 2019 and then had to press pause 2020, 2021? I think we were able to pull it off outside um, kind of when, geez, you know what? I can't remember the exact year, but <laughs> just a couple of years ago, I think COVID was kind of a concern, but things were lightening up. And, and uh, I mean, it's primarily an outdoor event anyway. So, yeah, um, but this year I think we're, we're ready to rock and, and no, no restrictions this year. So, we're pretty uh, pretty happy about that. Yeah, that's right. Because August 2020 was where we it looked like we were coming out of the woods and everybody was sort of getting relaxed. And then Thanksgiving happened, and wham, whammo, COVID said, "Oh, not so fast. We're you're not done with us just yet." But uh, how did yeah. you and how did you and Willie Dogs hatch this idea, Ravi? Well, um, so Will is uh, Will's awesome. Like I don't know if, for the listeners out there if they don't <laughs> if they don't know Will. Um, He's just like the most outgoing, friendliest guy in the world. And, and so he's got these wicked hot dogs that he puts together. And uh, they're always like picture perfect, beautiful, right? And um, I met him on the street one day, and we're both St. James kind of, you know, uh, community members. And, and uh, I'm like, well, here's so much about you. And he's like, oh, same here. And he ended up setting up on our, our lot at Fort Crowns when the restaurants and kind of the whole industry was locked down. Um, and I, I did like an open invite to the food trucks, like, hey, look, I, I get you can't park downtown right now, whatever, but you can use our lot, you know. And uh, hopefully in one day <laughs> we're reopened, you come and visit us, you know. But um, Will came and set up, and we became closer friends that way. And then I said, you know what, Monday's kind of a crapshoot for us and, and uh, in terms of sales. Why don't we do a really fun event where we can both, you know, get get some sales in the door and, and, uh, and help with the community and, and – uh, just kind of have a lot of fun for a Monday. You know, everyone's back to work. Everyone's in town on Monday. So um, we decided to throw this together and we each donate a dollar uh, of each uh, burger or hot dog sold. Um, and then we match that donation. And it's just, it's really fun. <laughs> Last time we did it, we had a lot of success and a lot of kind of local celebrities come in and radio personalities. And some of your team came in and it was just, it was fantastic. It was an unreal day. Well, Will Galt is, uh, you know, a tremendous success story. He shared his story with us multiple times over the years, Ravi, and we've had the yeah. pleasure of getting to know you over the last half decade or so. And your commitment to the community is also inspiring to me. And I've always admired the fact that, yes, I think you just put out a post. I think it was last week. Yeah, it must have been last week because I was on holidays the previous two weeks. You welcomed George's uh, subs and burgers to your neighborhood. And you said, even though, you know, even though we both sell some of the same food, it's great to see another local Manitoba business in the neighborhood. And that's just sort of how you roll. Yeah, I mean, we all, I mean, 
you know, when the attitude changes to that, we all end up winning, like really. Because you know what? It's it sure is nice when I'm out of takeout containers and George has got a whole back room full of them, and, and I say, hey, guys, you know what? Can you do me a favor? Ran out of ketchup today or ran out of that today or whatever it is. And when you have that, we're all working together. Instead of competing against one another, everyone just wins so much nicer, and it's just it's just, it's just a way better way to do business. It really is. So you mentioned that Willie Dogs, he's got the great hot dogs. You've got fantastic burgers. And I love your, the cinnamon fries, by the way, the, the cinnamon seasoning that you use in the fries. The first time you brought those into our studio, we were all just like, I don't understand the science behind how this works, but it works so well. Um, but here's the deal. Is it poor etiquette to show up to this today and get a burger from you and then a dog from Willie? Like, i.e., do we have to pick a side? You gotta pick a side. You gotta pick. Oh, I mean, you can have one of each if you like, but but we're competing head on today. So me and Will are, are got got the boxing gloves on today, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna be fighting starting at eleven thirty or eleven o'clock this morning. Yes, and uh, we're going right till uh, right till close eight o'clock tonight, mm. and then uh, yeah, we're going head to head, see who wins, and and I mean, Will's gonna kill it. Will is just uh, he's got such a great name in the community. He pulls out so many people. He smoked us last year, I think, by about. 10 hot dogs, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's going to win it again today because he just, man, does he pull the crowds out. Yeah. Well, you know what, Brett, there's nothing preventing you and I from attending together and you having a hot dog or a hamburger and me doing the exact opposite. So uh, if we're forced to pick sides, we, we may divide and conquer because I don't know if we can pick a favorite here, Ravi. Uh, talk about uh, how things are going overall in terms of the bounce back here uh, this summer. Has it been a bounce back for you at most of your businesses? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just this morning at, uh, at Fort Grounds, you got broken into twice. Um, uh, excuse me? What? Yeah, yeah, one after the other. Uh, there's five o'clock and then eight o'clock the 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 property crime in the city has just gone wild and it's really i mean over the last uh two months i've spent about 15 to twenty thousand dollars in broken windows doors uh stolen property um it's been just insane so yeah it's just kind of how does that work at five o'clock this morning dealing with that and um <laughs> yeah, so as much as it's been a bounce back of the traffic coming through and the 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 customers have been great. They've really been coming back strong, and, and um, I'm super thankful for that. Um, but, yeah, the kind of business these days seems to have a whole different uh, level to it in, in terms of uh, property crime and, and uh, just petty crimes. And but the Winnipeg police have been just fantastic to deal with. Like, I'm so thankful for them. They're so responsive. They're on the ball. They really give a damn what, what they do. So I can give them a very nice shout-out right now if I could. Just way to go, WPS. Thanks for all you do. We're speaking with Ravi Rambaran. He's the owner of St. James Burger and Chip Company and the owner of Four Crowns on McPhillips. And sorry, so you say Four Crowns was broken into twice this morning, the first at five o'clock, and you were there dealing, I guess, with the fallout of that. Were you on the premises when yeah. the second break in occurred? I was, yeah, I was here and the police had just left. And about 15 minutes later, um, same thing again. They came and smashed and grabbed, and, and uh, yeah, pretty wild. And, so the cops are on their way. I'm sure they caught them, but uh, it, was, it was a group of group of minors, you know. Is the uh, same same perpetrators both break-ins? I'm guessing so. They look different from the camera footage, but they were all, I would guess, 13, 14 years old. You know, uh, the word that's coming to mind, I cannot say on the air. So gumption is the word that I will use uh, because it's <laughs> polite and appropriate for the radio. Uh, Ravi, we will have to follow up with you on this uh, other. 
uh, development at Four Crowns. But uh, give uh, individuals listening today that want to support the wonderful cause of the Bru- yeah. Bruce Oak Recovery Center, let them know where they can go and, and vote with their dollars and their stomachs. Yeah, so Bruce Oak is awesome. They're, they're a very real step towards ending, getting towards an end of property crime. Like, they really are. They, you know, people want help, and that's a place to get it. So we probably want to support them. Um, and uh, today we're at 1866 Ness Avenue, uh, St. James Burger. We invited Willie Dog's cart to our lot, and we're going to go head-to-head. Uh, please come support and come have a lot of fun. We're going to crank up the music and just make a great day of this day. And, uh, and, and please come say hi. Ravi Rambran, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Ravi, once again, is the owner of St. James Burger and Chip Company. If you've never been there, tried their burgers, uh, to die for. I've never personally gotten to four, four crowns yet, but I've had the St. James burgers, and it's spectacular. The fries are amazing. And Willie Dogs, that's a... T- <laughs> he, Ravi said you got to pick a side. I don't know how you pick a side when you show up, because that's two fantastic options. It really is. So, uh, Ravi, sorry, but uh, either Brett and I are going to uh, divide and conquer, or uh, we're just going to both have one of each. And uh, so that's, again, he said 11.30, yes? Until 8? I don't know. Is he still there? Ravi, sorry, what time did it start? <laughs> did you say 11? You said 11.30, and then I think you corrected yourself. 11.30. 11. you 11, <laughs> we're still going to help you out. Yep, okay. for sure. <laughs> okay. All right, thanks, Ravi. So 11.30 until 8 o'clock. That is happening on Ness. And uh, just a heads up, just as we mentioned that the severe thunderstorm warnings and watches had ended, we are informed that just because the warnings and watches are gone does not mean that the weather is gone. Yeah, one of our listeners saying extremely heavy rain, lots of thunder and lightning, very dark between Gladstone and Nipawa up on the Yellowhead Highway 16. So if you're in central Manitoba, maybe uh, western Manitoba, you may be seeing a thunder. No, you won't see thunder. You'll see lightning, but you'll hear hear thunder. What's that from uh, Rocky? I, I don't think you can say it on the air. Thunder and lightning. Uh, you'll be doing one thing and, and doing I another. <laughs> I, I don't remember. Oh, no. But I suspect that your instincts are correct. <laughs> Maybe it's not something you should complete.